For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. I'm Paul Dottino. He's Super Bowl champion Howard Cross. So glad you could join us for today's edition. We'll be here for the next hour to talk Giants football. we got a whole bunch of statistical predictions for you over-unders. Uh, John has made up a whole list of things that <laughs> he wants us to, uh, to predict on, so we'll have some fun with that. Uh, and uh, I'll have a question for Howard in just a bit. But uh, first up, as a reminder, if you don't catch this show live, you can always catch an archive of this show and all of our podcast programs on the Giants Podcast Network, on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcasts. Our phone number, if you want to get in, I will absolutely filter your phone calls in between these statistical predictions, uh, 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. Uh, Howard, the news of the day, before we get to the uh, the actual prediction stuff that we're going to be doing, I want to just go over a couple of notes with you from the OTA the Giants had uh, okay. this afternoon. Uh, and by the way, I know it's only OTAs. Mm-hmm. But Paris Campbell and Darren Waller, every I, I've seen all but one OTA in uh, this spring. These guys have hands of glue. I mean, they have been impressive upon impressive upon impressive during every single one of these sessions. That, like I said, I've only missed one so far. Mm-hmm. I know it doesn't mean a whole lot, but it's really nice to know if you're a quarterback that those guys have flypaper for hands. <laughs> I think it's funny that, like, you know, when you're running around in pajamas and a helmet and catching passes and nothing, there's no element that's really bothering you. Yeah, you're not you. going to get hit, right? It, it's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like being at the driving range and hitting balls on that flat surface on that turf and the, the club skips and hits it perfectly every time. And then you get out there in the middle of the green, out okay. the fairway, and a big chunk of mud comes about this wide <laughs> off the ground. <laughs> Pearson can relate to that. It's just something going on that you know. Hey, the driver of the range is a liar. Don't 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 trust the driving range. It it all looks good now. Yeah. There, there's nothing. There's no contact. There's no anything. Exactly. That's you are true. just you're just out there running routes basically, and you should catch the ball. If you're not catching the ball in this time of the year when there's nothing going on, you're not gonna catch it when there's something going on. <laughs> so so it's it looks good. It looks impressive. But yeah. again, it's pajama practice and it's okay uh just a couple of real quick highlights uh Jalen Hyatt had a real nice uh, stab in the end zone when he reached up again there's no contact involved Mm -mm. but reached up and made a nice fingertip grab inside the back line of the end zone and it's nice to see him do some exciting how's his route you know 
there's no jamming at the line, Howard, because there's no contact. Well, and the that, big question is, what's he going to do? Everybody said coming out of school that they used the routes of Tennessee to avoid him getting press coverage or jammed at the line because he had free releases every time that he, he ran a snap. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not you're not getting any of that here either. These you, are all free can, releases. You, you, they don't jam and, and and they don't do they don't touch. They can't no contact. <laughs> There's no contact. This isn't oh, like when you were when you oh, were at camp. Well, we got after them. Then, I know you did. <laughs> I know you did. All right. Well, you know Banks. Banks was was I loving that stuff. We I know Banks and Pepper and everybody. It was, it was but crazy. But they don't do that anymore. So we we still don't have an answer. To how Jalen Smith is going to do against how, physicality. But how, how's his ra- routes look on the top end? Looks really good. Okay, so that's all I'm worried about. Because if, if 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 he's as fast as they're saying he is, not many guys are going to try to jam him. Because once you miss the jam, and you can only jam him for five yards. Mm-hmm. And after five yards, if he takes off and you can't keep up, they're going to be sitting off of him a little bit. So mm-hmm. all it takes is one big deep ball to burn somebody and the jam's over. All right. So anyway, Hyatt, Hyatt has had a good spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensively, I just noted a couple of things here. McKinney had an interception today. Onyoare had an interception today. And Banks had a really nice job. Again, shadow coverage, no contact on a deep ball uh, where, where he was able to knock it away before the ball got to Slayton. So, mm-hmm. you know, just a couple of nice highlight plays today. Not that it means a whole hill of beans, no. but you know what? They're out there. Okay. <laughs> and so I was out there too. There you go. Good for, I'm glad you had some chance to do that. Hey, no place I'd rather be. You know that, Howard. <laughs> I got you. All right. So before we get to our statistical over-unders, and we're going to have a lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. Again, 201-939-4513. Howard, apparently you were on the golf course with one Callie Bundy, who is a football trick throw specialist. And there was a posting this morning, and I don't know. Oh, she's a trick throw specialist? Yes. You didn't know that, did you? A football trick throw? Yes. I thought she was a softball player. She played softball at Quinnipiac uh, way back in the day. And in recent years is literally, and I mean literally, renowned for her football trick throws. She's been so, on ESPN and NFL really? Network. Oh, yes. She basically had you hook, line, and sinker like a ringer. No, See, she didn't. She missed that can like 10,000 times. I was standing in a crew. We were waiting. So, so the Twitter is fake. The Twitter is like the one time she hit it. <laughs> oh, she's been exposed. She's been. She was sitting out there like one. Like how many times do you think it's gonna take us? And she looked at me. I'm like, this could take you all day. She goes all day. I'll get it on the next one. I'm like, go for it. And it, and she hit it. She. If you would have. Did you see how shocked she was? She's been throwing that thing in that can forever. Wow. <laughs> she has been exposed. Come on. That's not a one. See, I was, I was going to come after you saying, Howard, you didn't know that she was a ringer. And much like Freddie Moscone or Fats Domino, she absolutely hustled you. First of all, did you see her? Yes. She's slightly distracting. I understand that. <laughs> But I, but no, I, but I have, she's a trick throw special. Yes. In my mind, I was wondering. Why is this girl walking around with a football? Because that's what she does. That, she, okay. And and she's and on live television, she's done a number of those football trick throws, which have actually gone well. So she is an accomplished football trick throw specialist, which mm. is why when Mm-mm. the posting went up on Twitter this morning, it was believable because she has a reputation for doing that. 
for standing there while we're sitting there watching her and missing that many times. And everybody- well, not for missing. <laughs> so now, now it does make one wonder uh, as to how many of her no, videos are I'm, not necessarily sure uh, as genuine a, as one might think. She's an extraordinarily athletic young lady. There's no it, question. It, it looks like she can throw the ball. You know, she she mishandled a couple of them, but you know, and if she really is doing it, I would assume she would clip her nails just a little more. Because every time she threw the ball, you hear that zzzk. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, she's going to rip one of them bad boys she off. She was a third baseman at Quinnipiac University back okay. in the day. She was and, like, yeah, what's and, up? Hit me. I'm like, okay, yeah. give it up. That, <laughs> then became a, a women's bodybuilder. Okay. And, and then became a football trick throw specialist. She okay. does a lot of uh, spokesman kind of things, and okay. she's so, you know, she looks like she'd be a spokesperson. Oh pretty, yeah, for sure, girl. for sure. The football trick throw thing, though, I'm just not sure about. Okay, well, now that we've gotten that taken care of, and she's gonna come looking for me for saying that out loud. But I come, come get me. I'm, we we can gamble on it if you want. We we <laughs> we believe in the truth here at Big Blue Kickoff Live, Howard. <laughs> we funny. always believe in the truth. Well, Quickly, like let point. me just remind you that the Giants Huddle Podcast has long form interviews with Giants players, coaches, front office folks, also national media from around the league. Uh, Listen to it when you get a chance. There's some good stuff on there, and you can always click uh, as a, a, the favorite so that you like it, and it helps the ratings and helps keep the show alive. Also, the Giants uh, season ticket packages and single-game tickets are out. Uh, they're on sale now. Don't forget, to, you can see the Giants at MetLife Stadium this season. Visit Giants.com tickets to secure your seat. And also, let's not forget the Giants TV streaming app. Uh, Giants TV brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. And finally, we give you this PSA. Uh, exclusive season ticket membership uh, can be had. You can be connected to the Giants all year round. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com tickets. Limited inventory is available. So now we got that out of the way. Mm-hmm. 201-939-4513 is our phone number. But in the meantime, while we wait for our bank of calls to fill up, mm-hmm. Howard, it's time for the over-under game, which, Uh-oh. of course, we play all the time during the Giants radio pregame show. Okay. And and now we've got you involved. You, you've you been around the, the, the over-under game, but you I've haven't actually it. played it often. I only played three or four times. I'm usually right. All right. Well, we're go- we got we got you this time. <laughs> Pearson's going to be keeping track. We're going to wind up giving this to you. I believe myself, John. I don't know if John Thinkasius is going to do it, and Lance Meadow. And of course, John likes to tabulate the the, the totals at the end of the year. So, <laughs> over under today, we're doing offense. Okay. There'll be defense another day, but today we're doing offense. Daniel Jones over under by the end of the season. Completion percentage of 67.5%. Uh, I think he'll be right at it. Um, I don't think that's an option. John did not give us an option of hitting it on the money. Uh, I went under. I figured 65%, so I went under just a shade. I think he's going to hit it, so I don't, I don't want to, I'll say over then. You'll say over. Yeah. He might be right at 68, but. I, I don't foresee a lot of passes. You got Waller here, of course, who can catch the ball very well. He'll be open. You got you know you got another couple guys that are going to be open coming in. You got Hyde, that's supposed to be a oh, take the top off kind of player. You got a receiver that no one's talked about out of West Virginia, who's a big kid that can fly. Also, Bryce Ford Wheaton, mm-hmm. and he's he's out there. You, you got 
Bellinger who can catch. You got two or three backs that now that can catch out of the backfield. You got a whole bunch of guys that can catch the ball and will be open. Uh, and and not to mention Wendell and guys like that out of the slot. So it's going to be hard to cover all those guys, even, mm-hmm. even with an offensive line that may not be the greatest at sometimes when he can run the ball too. So that's why I think it'll be over. I don't think it's going to be as many passing yards as we would like maybe, but I think he'll be over because when he does pass, it'll be, you know, it'll be perfect. See, I suspect the Giants will throw a little bit deeper this year. They'll take some more deep shots, and usually that can hurt your completion percentage. I happen to agree with you, Howard. Mm-hmm. I think they've got more weaponry mm-hmm. than they've had in the past. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if even though he might have more yards and more big plays, mm-hmm. if his completion percentage might take a little bit of a, of a nick because of more longer throws. He's had so many short throws the last couple of years. But he had those because he had no protection. That is true, too. Yeah. So Anyway, yeah. so I went I went just a tad under. I'm going a tad higher. All right. Uh, 3,500 passing yards. Uh, I'm going higher. I'm going to go higher, but not by a lot. Because, again, he'll be like 3,600 maybe, probably, right around there. I, I got Waller tab for like eight or 900 yards for the season. So that's that's almost a third of it right there. So with everybody else mixed in, you get a couple other guys catching the ball and doing well. You know, the guys around 600, 800, four guys are at 600. You know, that's pretty much your number of 3,600 points. So I think that that could be done. All right. I'm looking at 3,800. By the way, the only 1,000-yard tight end the Giants have ever had was Mark Bavaro. As okay. you know, he did it one time. Mm-hmm. Shockey never did, believe it or not. Never had 1,000. I can believe it. Um, what, what from the tight end position, what has to happen for Waller to be another 1,000-yard guy? He had two of those years with the Raiders. He has, they have to have two other receivers out there that could be a threat in some you know shape, form, or fashion where it's not all all eyes on Waller every time he, he steps off of the field. So if he if he gets on the field and there's another receiver on the far side that you got to pay attention to, a guy outside of him that you got to pay attention to, and probably a back that could come out of the backfield and catch the ball, he's going to have over a thousand yards, easily. He's one heck of an athlete. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, man, he looks like they prototype forward for the NBA. Well, he hope, really has skills. Let's make sure he stays healthy. Then we'll have a great, <laughs> great season with him. All right, uh, Daniel Jones total touchdowns. That's running and passing. 29 and a half, says John. I went slightly over. He's going to have more than that. He's going to have more than 30. Um, uh, just, you know, just out of touchdown passes. I think the touchdown passes mm-hmm. are going to be pretty high. He'll be over 20 in touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I got him I got him over 30. I can. I concur with that. I, I think he'll have a lot fewer rushing. Mm-hmm. I, he, I, he won't th- need to. That's my point. Yeah. I, I, I think the Giants' offense is so much better now, he will not have to run as much. Mm-hmm. And when he does, he's going to score because there will be nobody around because they'll be chasing <laughs> Waller and everybody down the field. Well, 650 rushing yards is John's uh, over-under number, and I went under on that one. Um, he had over 700 last year. It's definitely going to be under. He's not going to be able to. He's not going to have to run as much as he did last year. I totally concur yeah. with you on that, Howard. All right, Saquon Barkley. We got three numbers for him. 1,300 rushing yards, which is a number that he's had twice in his career so far. Mm-hmm. I went slightly over. I'm going under. Okay. And I'm going to go under because the offense is, is going to be evolved and it's not going to be you know so run heavy. It's going to still have a feature the run, but it won't be run heavy. And I think that if he's going to get 1,300 plus yards, 
he's going to have to have some breakaway runs. That's why I think he'll do it. Okay. Because I think that the back sevens are going to have enough of trouble covering all the Giants' targets that he will find space, get to the second level, and make more bigger runs than he had last year. I hope so. I hope so. 55 receptions for Mr. Barkley. I'm going under. Definitely under. We have too many backs that can catch the ball. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it has to be. He, he doesn't have, you know, we also have a young back out of Oklahoma who can run and catch. Eric Gray. Yeah, and he will play a role in the offense. I'm, I'm predicting that now. Uh, the other backs we had uh, last year could run and catch, so there was no big drop-off there. Uh, Barkley is special. I don't want to be sound like I'm downplaying Barkley, but I think there's a lot of backs that are going to be coming out of the backfield catching the ball, and he, he will be on the field a lot more than he was last year because he's not going to want to let those guys have that much time. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, a lot of times in, in previous years when Barkley was a safety valve, you know, he was so much a big part of the offense. Yeah. They've got other weapons now, Al. Yeah, he won't so I'm with you. Yeah, it's, he, the, there'll be quick throws and the guys will be open. All right, total touchdowns for Barkley. That's receiving and rushing 10 and a half, I say over. I think he's going to have a lot of rushing touchdowns once they get down so. inside the five. I really hope so. I really hope so. Uh, ten and a half. And what's he been averaging when he's healthy? Yeah, he had double digits last year. Had 11, I think. I'd have to check it. Uh, then we would be saying, hold on. Let's just think this through. Ten and a half. He, could, he would factor into the 30 that you have up there. That would be... Barkley ran for 10 last year and uh, did not catch one. So it was 10. He had 10 last year. I thought he might have had 11. I'm, I'm going to say he has 12s this year. I'm going to say uh, lower. You'll say lower? Yeah, okay. he'll have 10, but I don't think he'll go a lot higher than 10. Okay, okay, very good. Mm-hmm. All right, so Darren Waller's the next guy on the list, and we've already told you he had two thousand yard seasons already with the Raiders I think he's going to have another one mm-hmm. uh, so let's go for a thousand yards over or under no you got a number of receptions I know but I'm going to skip that and go back okay a thousand yards over or under I think he'll be just under I think there's gonna be too many weapons that okay are, that'll be catching the ball out there I think he's he's a phenomenal threat a phenomenal everything but there are gonna be other guys that are gonna be wide open and they're not gonna just like continuously throw the ball to him from not from the not from anything other than hey look we have a whole lot of guys to spread it around too. If we focus on you, people will start hedging towards you. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep the offense open and fluid. And I think he'll have I think he'll have right at a thousand, but not over a thousand. All right. Now catches, uh the over or under number is seventy four and a half catches. I went under because again, I do think there are so many weapons to throw the ball to. But but sixty eight is a very good good number. Yeah. I think he's gonna go sixty eight catches for eleven 1, hundred yards. That, those are the two targets I have because I think his average yards per catch is going to be rather high. He gets downfield, Howard, and mm-hmm. he makes big plays. Okay, so I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him a little less than seven. I'm gonna give him right at seventy, but not seventy-four. That, that's a lot of receptions. If you know, that would be if he had seventy-four catches and over a thousand yards. That would be uh, all of Daniel's yardage is almost right off with one guy. So, and everybody else would have to get a little less than twenty-five hundred yards. That that's that's tough. So I'm gonna say just under 74 catches. Uh, I'm not gonna go sit, give him a specific number. I'm just say just under. Waller uh, touchdown catches seven and a half is the number John went with. I've got him down for seven, so I'm gonna say a tad under. I'm gonna say he's gonna be over. I think he's gonna be the big touchdown guy in the red zone. I think they're gonna have a hard time covering him because he's gonna be a safety if the outside guys are playing okay. well. It's gonna be hard to cover the outside guys. So you're gonna have to like, designate. 
the, the, the safeties won't be able to hedge the tight end. They'll have to play both sides. Interesting, and I thought about that, Howard. And then I went back and I looked and I said, well, you know what? He's still the same guy he's been. In fact, he had those two great years with, with mm-hmm. the Raiders. He did catch nine touchdown passes back in 2020, but in his other years where he was a, a, basically a full-time player, three, two, and three. Again, now, he, maybe, he, but, but he was the main focus of the receiving That's true, court. too. When that's true, the, too. When, when you have a lot of people looking at you, it's harder to get those touchdowns when you got two a guy over the top and a guy over the bottom uh, covering you, no matter how it looks on the field. But it does sound like we are in the ballpark in terms of what we think his numbers will be yeah, for the season. Absolutely. And and those numbers might just get him a Pro Bowl selection, too. They, they would get him a Pro Bowl. Paris Campbell, really, really terrific receive out of Ohio State. Obviously, injury-riddled career with the Colts. Finally had a full season last year mm-hmm. and played well. Receptions, 63 and a half. I say slightly under. I have no idea because the injuries. It, you know, I same, know. The same thing with Waller. I, I, we're giving him these numbers based on health. If it's if it's health, he'll have 63 catches. He'll have one one or two over that. I think he and I think he and Waller will share a, a big uh, part of the load because both dynamic guys, both both very great receivers, both good route runners, and then everybody else will start filling in, and that's where the, where the big yards will come from. Interesting, and I'll actually give you this line now because Campbell was injured the first three years of his career and had missed some time. Last year when he played the full season, his numbers were 63 catches for 623 yards and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. John's over-under numbers are 63 and a half catches mm-hmm. for 625 yards and three and a half touchdowns. He basically took last year's stat line, mm-hmm. and he's asking us over-under last year's stat line because it's the only healthy season he had where well, he played most of the snaps. With that said, I'm going to go under on all of it, and this is why I'm going to go And I am going under on all three as well. And this is why I'm going to say under on all of it. And, and you went, you went. Oh, I went over. over I went over on yardage. I'm yeah. sorry. I went because I had him for 630 yards. Yeah. So, so here's why I'm gonna say under on all of it. At, if, if these are his stats, he gets 600. He gets 63 yards, 63 receptions, 63 right. and a half, or 63 receptions. He only had six 625 yards. So he's averaging less than 10 yards a catch. Yes. So with that in play, he's a. It sounds like he's more of a possession receiver. He played a lot of slot. Yeah. So as a possession receiver. His numbers won't be as high, so the three and a half touchdowns will be under the yardage after catch. It seems like he, he catches and gets down kind of quickly to protect himself. So that, I think that's going to be part of it. He'll be he'll be a third and five guy. Third and five, he'll get hit. Third and five, he'll get hit. Third and five, he'll get hit. And I don't know how many third and fives you're going to have, but that's where he's going to be playing at during the season. <laughs> Second and four, if they throw the ball, he'll be one of the guys they'll be looking for. Not just Waller, just really possession, really quick inside right there. He'll be open. You know what's going to be interesting, Howard? And obviously right now, uh, Wandale Robinson and Sterling Shepard are still making their way back from serious injuries. Mm-hmm. So they're not running all this, the stuff uh, with the no. regular guys at OTAs. They're doing a lot of stuff on the side. At some point in time, those guys are going to be back. And we know that Shepard and Robinson are both slot specialists. Mm-hmm. So how much do you think that will affect Campbell when those guys get healthy and are able to play in the offense? <sighs> That's a good one, but think of this. I know what you're saying and what you're asking, but really think of it this way. You can't think of a, what's going to affect him. Just think of who made the team at receiver. Uh, and we don't know who that's going to be yet. Right. Uh, once the team's kind of been made at receiver, if these guys come off of, of the, 
the the IR or the pup list or whatever they, whatever whatever they're going to be on. I think it's pup list, right? Then they're going to have to let someone go, or move someone down to the practice squad. So mm-hmm. that's that's the question: Are you going to have enough productivity out of the guys that are on the field at that point? It's a good problem to have. It's a great problem to have, but you know they're going to have to, they're going to have to come off of quote unquote. Uh, the pup list and be like, okay, they they've looked so good on the sideline that mm-hmm. we want to put them in the game. That's a hard thing to do, but I know. you know, but today everybody's in pajamas, so right. We're ju- if we're judging out of pajamas, <laughs> you look good in pajamas, guy. We're gonna put you in a uniform. So I, I don't know. Uh, I, I will say this: I do think Campbell can play outside. I don't think he's strictly restricted to how being tall a slot is, guy. How tall is he? He's six feet. Oh yeah, he could he could he could play outside definitely. Yeah, I think I think that he's probably more prone for an outside position. You know, um, he happens to be a really good route runner. We all know that from his time with the Colts and from his time at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Was a very very smart player, very good route runner, and has really good hands. Those are all very very good things that Daniel Jones will love to have. Okay, that's for sure. All right, and that that keeps Daniel Jones's throws not down the field. That guy does. Yeah. Oh, he will. He could definitely do that. There's yeah, no doubt about right, that. Right there in that 10-yard zone, he's going to be open. I think I think he'll throw deeper to Waller and mm-hmm. Slayton. Yeah. And and even, again, I I think that that Hyatt, um, I know, it's shirts and shorts, but Hyatt's impressed me so far. Yeah. He, he's a <laughs> – if you watch the Alabama-Tennessee game, he'd be impressed. <laughs> I, I know, know you are, Howard. I don't know if I'm going to talk to that kid when I see him. <laughs> All right. Uh, we flop it to the other side here. Team offense. Uh, John says uh, 350 yards per game on team offense. Over or under? I think the Giants will go slightly over. So, in in theory, if you throw for 250 to 270 yards, you have to have – because usually if you're saying the team's going to have at least 100 yards rushing per game. Right. And you think they're going to have over 250 yards passing per game. So this is an average for the season? Yes. I think they'll be over the average. I think there'll be some games, even though they're tough games, so they'll they'll get out and get like 400 yards, 500 yards, 600 yards. And I think there's going to be some games, maybe like the San Francisco game, where it's going to be right at you know 300 yards total, total offense. Now, just to give you an idea, last year the Giants averaged 334 yards per mm-hmm. game on total offense. And that number broke down to... Uh, about 150 uh, rushing and about 185 throwing. Those yeah. were the rough numbers. Yeah, so he's he's going to throw for more than 200 yards, probably more than half the season. Probably like if it's if it's 17 games, he'll probably throw for like 225 to 275 in probably 12 of those games. Now, just to give you an idea, if the Giants do eclipse. 350 yards per game. Mm-hmm. That would put them in the vicinity of what the Raiders and Seahawks did last year. They were just over 350 yards a game, and that would mean three, six, nine. That would pro- that would put you roughly about 13th in the league, which is right around the midpoint, a little yeah. bit higher, a little yeah. bit higher than the midpoint. I, I said, and again, I believe they'll be over. I believe on the average they'll be well over 350, uh, and I and I don't mean well over. Just like like I said, they'll have some games. They'll, there'll be some tough defenses they're going to play. No doubt that that they're going to have a hard time against you. Know, we got we got the Eagles twice. You got the Cowboys. If they're playing well, could be be a tough defense. Washington has a tough front. Washington has a tough front, but the, the Giants seem to you know match up with them pretty well. Uh, you have San Francisco, very tough front, mm-hmm. very very tough front. 
you have the Jets tough front. Mm-hmm. And then after that, like everybody else is kind of like kind of m- m- blending in. But those teams specifically, those are tough teams. I went for 355 yards, so I'm going slightly over. Yeah, I didn't give a specific number, but I'm saying it's going to be over. Points per game. Last year, Giants were at, let me see if I can find it here. They were a little bit over 21 points a game. 21 and a half. I think they're going to He's add, got them at 23.9. I was going to say they're going to they're going to be at 24 points a game uh and, and just on average and I'm going to say this is why you're going to have Waller in the red area. Mhm. That's going to be that's going to be big. You're going to have Hyatt that's going to, you know, possibly with Slayton if Slayton, you know, if they both are productive players, they're going to have at least uh between the three between the two of them, they'll have at least four to five uh catches over 40 yards going to the end zone. Okay. Because you know those. Because you're, you're if you're coming up to cover, cover Robinson. If you're coming up to cover somebody, one Campbell. If you're coming up to cover Saquon or one on the backside of the backfield, all of a sudden those guys on the outside are loose, and if they're loose, they're gone. Getting 24 a game, and I have them at o- just over 24 a game, so mm-hmm. I'm going over as well. That would put them right at the top 10 in the league. Yeah. That- but that's I think that's and where I they think are. that's realistic. I think that's kind of where they are though. You know, they're they're I'm right with you. like they're right in like nine, ten. They're right in that area. I think they can be for sure. Sacks. <laughs> and this is the last offensive number, so the last of our drill. Uh John says over under Giants giving up forty sacks. Uh last year. Let me see. Do I have that number handy? I actually think it's gonna be a little bit under that, but we will uh I will look that up and you can contemplate. Three times seventeen. How much is that? Fifty-one. <laughs> yeah, it's fifty-one. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, they give up two. That's. 34. I want to say they. I want to say they gave up forty-eight last year, but I'm going to take a look for you. So this way you can. You I'm, can... A, I'm going to say they're going to give up two and a half sacks a game. That's thirty-four. That's over forty. I'm going to say it could be plus, and and it's not bad if you give up two two sacks a game. It's not like you give a ton of sacks during the, during during the game. It's just that mm-hmm. two a time someone got to you, and there'll be some times where he's not sacked, and there's gonna be some times when he might get sacked four or five times. So I'm I'm gonna give it over. All right, let's see if I can find that number for you. All right, here we go. I got it. Uh, last year, oh no, that that doesn't. That's player stats, <laughs> team stats. Come on, where is this? I'm trying to find what they, how many sacks they give up last year because I totally forgot. I'll be honest with you. I really did. I totally like, forgot. You should look and see how many guys were sacked less than forty times. That's what you should be looking at. I want to say it was in. I want to say it was in the high forties. I want to say it was like forty-eight. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try, keep trying to look that up. But Howard, here's here's my thinking. Mm-hmm. My thinking is the Giants have so many more weapons now that teams may have to back off a little bit. And I'm th- here. We go. I got it now. Mm-hmm. Giants last year gave up. They gave up 49 sacks. I said 48. I was off by one. Okay. Okay? That's pretty good. And I said they're just going to be just over 40 because two and a half sacks a game is right at 40. Yeah. And I'm going to go just under 40. Uh, By the way, teams that gave up more than the Giants last year, Tennessee, the Bears, the Rams, the Colts, and the Broncos. So there were five teams who gave up more sacks than the Giants last season. Yeah. So that's a high number. It needs to be lower than 40. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's possible that between Thomas and Neal, they won't give up more than six between the two of them? 
if Neil progresses like Thomas did, and the other thing, Neil will be healthy starting the season. If he could stay healthy the entire season, and Thomas is healthy the entire season, between the two of them, six, I think they'll be right at six. I think they're gonna, there's going to be some guys out there. Bosa is coming to town. You you got to mm-hmm. – you can't, you know – they might flip him from side to side to try, try to find a weak spot. You have um, Michael Parsons that, that you got to play against twice a year, right? So mm-hmm. that that guy could be – he could be a problem by himself. Uh, Believe it or not, he actually has not really been a sack master against the Giants. I know, but he, but that's because he's been everywhere. I think they're moving him to Excuse outside yes. rush, rush guy the entire time. Um, you have the Eagles, who who had four players with double digit sacks last year. So you know you it, okay. between the Eagles, the Cowboys, the the Niners, and I'm not really sure if there's another really awesome front that we're going to play against. You know, Washington plays pretty well, but we do a little bit of everything against them. Mm-hmm. Just those three teams, and and the two of those teams we play twice. That's you know that's five games. Yep. Yeah. So the, I'm going to say it's going to be a little more than six. Neil. Neil. Uh, based on on my tape study, I gave Neil uh, nine sacks last year, and I had Thomas for only two. So that would be eleven between the two of them yeah. last season. Yeah, I think Neil. I think they can cut it in half. I really do. I think Neil will have a lot less, and the only reason why is because I think he's going to be healthy. I, I think when he did when he got the knee hurt, you you know there were a few times I felt sorry for him because. Mm-hmm. He was out there fighting a good fight, but if you change the direction, he couldn't change direction back with right. you. Right. Yeah. No, there's no doubt. I mean, in addition to the rookie learning curve, he had to deal with physical ailments that significantly hampered his ability. And I and I still fault the the the, the NFL and the NFL Players Association for ever deciding not to let guys practice because when you don't practice, you tend not to be able to take leverage. And the leverage comes from defensive linemen and, and offensive linemen being able to, to take pressure and rushes and stuff like that and blocking that that you know. And if you can't figure out the pressure of, of how you can't figure out how to defend yourself, it's boxing without sparring. Which is why that position, the offensive line position, as a rookie, is the one that's most devastated by the new rules. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 201-939-4513 is our number here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Paul Dottino and Howard Cross with you. I'm at Giants WFAN. He's at Howard Cross 87. Uh, Pearson, I accidentally blew up the document, so we're just going to go right to uh, line number one. And whoever it is, hello, we you're, to- you're first up. Tony in Lincoln Park. All right, Tony. Hey, Tony. Thanks for calling. Hey, guys. Good to be on. Listen, a lot's been said about the change this year in the offensive philosophy the, the, the wide receiver room is, 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 is stacked. Um, I wanted to get you guys a close to the team. want to get your expectations on what the play calling is going to be like, how that's all going to break out. You know, obviously Waller will be a big piece. I actually think Jameson Crowder could be an interesting piece. They said he's looked really good in the OTAs. Mm-hmm. So I just want to get your guys' perspective on the outlook this year on the offensive philosophy versus last year. I think the offensive philosophy moves a little bit closer to the Kansas City uh, way of thinking uh, with back when almost not quite Tariq Hill because he's that, he was that explosive and that fast, but kind of everything ran through Kelsey, right? Kelsey was, was almost free dealing out there and helping call plays because he was so in tune with the offense. If Waller can have that kind of relationship with the offensive coordinator, 
it can create that kind of thing for Daniel to help him with another. Hey, look, this guy's off of me. He he can't do anything. Like change it. Look at him. Look at him, and just change plays on the fly when you're throwing the ball. I think if it if it if both guys can play within that uh, within that kind of framework, I think Kafka will be extraordinarily happy with that, and the Giants would too. Uh, that that means that guys like you know Hyatt that that are outside and Slayton is outside. If they go deep, and you're so worried about the, the slot guy and the tight end and all of a sudden you look up and there's somebody behind you. That's why we that's why we kind of consider the offense the potential to be, you know, pretty, pretty fluid. And and Daniel having the ability to not just run but hurt you running, it's hard to like stay up and watch Daniel and stay deep and watch the guys going deep down the field. I hate to give this qualifier all the time, but again OTAs are non contact shirts Pajamas. and shorts. But but even with that, I will say one thing. It is really good to see through these practices how Jones and Waller are on the same page. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see them run a play in seven on sevens and Waller runs in and the ball goes out where you could say, uh-oh, the quarterback and the tight end were not on the same page. We haven't seen that, Howard. Mm-hmm. And again, I know it doesn't mean a ton, but it is good not to see that kind of mistake here at the OTAs. It does appear as if Jones and Waller have something going. Well, you know, I don't want to like downplay it either, but you, you got two veteran players that have been around for a mm-hmm. while that are, that are really, you know, uh, Jones has a second year in the system. Yep. And he's really into it. Waller, is, since he has signed, has had the playbook and has been studying the playbook, probably talking to Daniel, answering, asking and answering questions along the way. Why are we doing this? What does this look like? What are you looking for in this situation? So when he gets out here, he's coming out here with a mission to try to prove that, you know, I'm one of the better tight ends, if not the best tight end in the league. So he's he's not just out here with his physical ability. He's out here mentally trying to get ready as well. And this is all uh, going back to something that Eli taught Daniel Jones way back when, when he was a rookie, about how the quarterback really has to take a leadership role. He's got to make sure he helps form that chemistry as soon as possible with all of the guys that he's going to have on offense. Well, you know, I always tell people this all the time. When I came into the league, Sims was a quarterback. And I can remember coming in, I was a big workout guy and, and you know, trying to get to the get to the gym before and get ready for practice. I'd go in there and Sims was already there. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, does this guy ever go home? <laughs> <laughs> and then I did like I got nicked up uh, with that 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 season, and I wound up being here. You know, after film session, getting something, I'm walking by the quarterback's room. He's sitting there watching film. I'm mm-hmm. like, this guy never goes home. And I'm like, does he sleep here? And I try to come in early one morning. He'd already be here. I'd see his car in the parking lot. So guys that are doing that, you know, the other players that are on offense, and they know that okay, he's here getting the work in, and that's a signal to the that's a signal to the entire team. There are other teams with quarterbacks today that the teams are a little a little worried about we don't know if he's studying enough he hasn't right. been, he hasn't been around a lot uh, they put study problems into not study problems study language into their contracts it, you, Kyler Murray I didn't say anybody I name. just did I didn't say anybody's name some guys want to take a dark retreat you know you don't you don't know <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't think you were going to go there yeah but it's but that's it's crazy like you're the guy who's they're getting the ball ninety five percent of the time in your hands, you need to be the guy that's like directing traffic outside of the center. You got to be the most plugged in. 
So we, you know, we, our and I obviously know all about what Sims's habits were. We know mm-hmm. what Eli's habits were, and we see what Daniel's habits are. Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter is, those guys so often were the first guy in and the last guy out. Yeah, that's just the way they did their business. Even Kerry Collins when he was Kerry too. Well, he was here for a short stint. Was he first dude in, last dude out? Like he, I'm like, man, this guy just got here. What's he doing? And that, that's that's part of the game. That's what the quarterback does. It's his job to do it. Some people call it leading. Some people call mm-hmm. it you got to be the coordinator of the team kind of. You got to help everybody out. I just say you just got to be doing your job at the highest level and other guys see you doing it. So when, he, when you question someone, they know that you know what's going on. Right. Appreciate the phone call. Anything else? Yeah, one, one last thing for Howard, a tight end question. I saw Daniel Bellinger bulked up a lot in the offseason. Do you think that's going to help him? Is he going to be more of an inline tight end by, with that? What What are your thoughts on that, Howard, as a tight end? I think that what happens is, especially for guys that are that are usually inline or blocking and, and are physical guys. You saw it with uh, Whitten when he was at, when he was at Dallas. He came in a little thinner. By the time he left, he was a full size grown man. Uh, I think that the the whole year of the weightlifting and getting into the program makes you bulk up. Uh, you think you're bulked up in college, but a lot of times once you leave college, now you're you're on your own eating plan. You're not restricted of when you're eating because you got to go to class. When it's time to eat, you eat. They have a great uh, training table here uh, at, at, at the facility, so they get all the right kinds of meals. They take them home, some of the guys do, mm-hmm. so they, they have the ability to, quote, unquote, have the nutrition exactly right, and when they work out, you have a lot of time to work out. Like you watch film, you have your time here that you're quote unquote able to be here. Then after that, you probably go in the gym and, and, and lift some weights. And even on days that you don't have to lift, you probably in there lifting because it's just a good place to you know commiserate or just hang out or you know kind of network and be, and be around each other. And and the gym sometimes is a favorite favorite place, and the weight room is a favorite place for guys to be. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Tony. Appreciate it. 201-939-4513. You have uh, lines open. Real quick, though, Howard, just before I go to the next call, and Rick, you're going to be up next. Mm -hmm. What was your weight when you came in from Alabama? Mm -hmm. When did it take a significant jump, and what did you play with the last couple of years when you were here? When I came in from Alabama, I was 250. But I was 250, and I wasn't really, like, you know, really built up. I I had just gone from being, like, 250. 240, 235, 240 to 250, like from the last game that I played in till almost the start of camp. I had broken three of my ribs and had a collapsed lung, so I wasn't able to work out or do anything. So I when don't I remember that. Wow. Well, I did my my pre my uh my last game of my college career. So once I got here and I was quote unquote healthy again and I could run at full speed again, all of a sudden my weight dropped way back down. So I was about 245. When I first started out, and I was like, "Man, like this is gonna be rough for me if I don't gain some weight," and they're like, "Well, you don't have to gain weight. This is the size of all the tight ends in the league." I'm like, "Yeah, I look like a coat hanger. This is not <laughs> like imagine. I'm like, I need to do something here." And it was like funny to me, but I I really started, you know, really concentrating on lifting and stuff. And I held a lot of records at Alabama for lifting. I think here, I think I cleaned and pressed like 405 or something at mm. one time, at one point, and I was squatting. Almost seven hundred pounds. So like you, 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 you take real pride in lifting. Like I come in and, and Sims is doing reps with with the cleans at three hundred and fifteen pounds. I'm like, that's a quarterback. I am not putting up with that. Let me get over <laughs> here 
You know, so, <laughs> so like that's, that was the whole mentality. Remember what Bill used to say, Phil's not a quarterback, he's a football player. Yeah, so my last year, I probably, you know, I had had microfracture surgery, I think a year or so before mm-hmm. on my knee. And again, that, that inhibited the workout. So I probably ended up my career at 270. And I was like starting to cut weight and get back down. And like 9-11 happened. And I'm like, okay, this might be my last season. <laughs> so I go home and take care of them babies. So I did. I made a run for it. 201-939-4513 is our number here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We go to Rick in Houston. You're next on the show. Hello. H-Town. Hey, guys. How you doing? Very right, good. Well, thanks for calling. So, yeah, calling from Houston, but funny part funny story is i'm a giants fan that's a san francisco native okay <laughs> that's funny so, <laughs> but i love the giants and howard it's good to hear see you on this show i love seeing players on this show that you know i grew up watching as i'm uh 50 years old so i've i watched i started with the lawrence taylor era and watched been a giants fan all the way through so i enjoy watching you no oh, i appreciate it brother i really appreciate that yeah, no problem. So I'm calling today. Uh, I want. I know we spent a lot of time talking about the offense and Daniel, and you know how it's going to look and the draft picks, and uh, but I want to talk about the defense a little bit. Okay. Um, I know I like the additions we made. I love Okarike and uh, the defensive line additions they made. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get you guys' opinion on because I feel like the defense is, is is just that close. There's just a couple pieces missing. To put us over the top is like, say, a top 10 defense in the league. And those three spots I see are uh, linebacker next to Okarike. You know, that spot's kind of seems kind of up for grabs right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the safety spot next to McKinney and uh, and the slot corner. Because we got, I'm, I, I got a feeling Banks is going to start aside, uh, opposite of Dory mm-hmm. at that slot position. That seems like a good camp battle, too. I just wanted to get you guys' opinion on who you think might, who do you think, and who would you like to see win those those three starting jobs? <laughs> I want and to not see take it offline. All right, Thanks for the call. I really want to see the best guy win, whoever that is. <laughs> that's the best answer of all. The best guy. But, like, that's um, good, Howard. You know, but well, I'll start at, at linebacker. I think Davis is probably going to be the front runner. They brought him in late last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays well. I think Akurke and Davis will be. The, you know, especially Davis against the run can step up and make a hit. Uh, looks like he knows what he's doing, and and I think of him being with Okurke would be, you know, they'll both challenge each other a little bit, trying to be better. They 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 could be, you know, the best linebacker tandem in the NFC if they wanted to. So I think they have that kind of a building. It will be very nice once Beavers gets cleared to mm-hmm. do workouts and practices to see what his upside is because I know we liked what we saw last year. We do like what in we saw. August, mm-hmm. but at the moment, you know, obviously. He's, he's on limitations. Okay, and then when we go to safety, safety is a little bit of a of a mystery to me, and and I and I mean that. I mean I, I know we got McKinney, I know we have Belton and Pinnock, Belton and McCain, and I don't know who's going to come out of that group. That's going to be really the lot. Basically, basically the way the Wink runs it, there might be three safeties starting every game. Could be. So that that's the other other thing that we have to think about. Sometimes we think about slot receiver, uh, slot uh, DB, but it could be the third safety that's in there. And and during the media portion of the OTA, so I'm not giving you anything that I'm not allowed to give you, mm-hmm. uh, we have also seen um, uh, Nick McLeod. Really? R- Nick McLeod was practicing at safety 
Um, mm-hmm. So there's a possibility that maybe he's going to be in that mix. Again, he was out there during the open portion for the media the other day. Was he down there a strong safety? No, he was playing more of the deep safety. Interesting. So huh. he might be in that mix. So there's another guy. Now, at, at corner, the the slot corner, I know um, Dornay Holmes has been the guy. Mm-hmm. I would dare say look out for Flott in that in that position. Uh, he the, the the corner out of LSU. Mm-hmm. He has great ball skills. He does. He has good quickness, right, and and solid speed. I think in that little in that position inside, he might be the guy because uh, most of the time the guy in that slot position is is usually a smaller, quicker, you know, shifty uh, receiver. Uh, if it if a tight end moves into that spot. He'll be out, and one of the safeties will have to come down to get to him. But I think mix and match kind of yeah, thing, matchups. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be a lot of matchups, uh, and it'd be, it depends on you know what Wink's calling defensively as well. I mean, it, like the the defense isn't isn't built for a lot of interceptions because they play a lot of man to man, so their backs always to the ball when the ball's in the mm-hmm. air. But it, it, at that position, you need a guy that can you know make quick make quick decisions. I don't know if they're going to do that because they probably want to, you know, keep him focused on the outside because he played a lot of the outside last year. But he might be the guy that could challenge Holmes for that position. The other guy on the roster who has NFL experience in the slot is Bobby McCain, the safety they signed from Washington, mm-hmm. who did come down and play a number of snaps in the slot. So he has that on his resume. Whether or not that helps him gain those snaps here. I don't know the answer to that yet. Again, it, it's it's a different defense, you know, and Wink's defense, he needs guys that can really cover on the outside. That's why they got Banks in the first round. They, mm-hmm. they, so if you get two guys, Dorian Banks on the outside, and they're, and they're covering and, and holding up their end of the bargain, then the slot guy becomes a more important guy, and then you got to find a guy that can actually be there and cover them. They, you know, unfortunately, sometimes teams slide their better receivers to slot just so you can't put your hands on them. I'm going to ask you a different question, building off of what the uh, caller just asked us. Behind the uh, injured somewhat Ojolari, who has obviously missed time, Mm -hmm. and behind Thibodeau, who was hurt a little bit and then came on strong the second half of the season, Mm -hmm. who do you like as the next best pass rusher on this team? We know that Zimenez has had his injury problems, but has had some moments. We know that Ellison Smith has just had a lot of injury moments and has never really been able to show what he brought to the table when he was drafted. Where do where do you, Tamon Fox also had some flashes last year? Who do you see emerging as the number three edge rusher out of those guys? Uh, you you also forgot uh, Ward. Ward is more of a run stopper and an edge setter than he is a pass rusher, though Howard. I agree, he is. But at the same time, uh, when needed last year, he was a utility guy and he did yes. a lot of everything. Yes. Uh, but if I had to pick another edge rusher, and, and not just a rusher, but an edge rusher, I'm going to have to say Zimenez is going to have to be the guy that's, he's going to be the guy that steps up the most. Okay. And the reason why is because he's got, he's the longer, you know, the longest tenured guy here. Mm-hmm. If one of the young guys steps up one of the two guys are, they're kind of quote unquote kind of almost behind him start to step up he's out and he knows that so he'll be the guy and if he doesn't if he's not thinking that way then he's been you know some he's he's not looking at the league properly he's gonna have to be the guy and he's gonna know i gotta step up this is my chance to make my mark so i can build a market not just with the giants but with the league for my for my wares because this is his big year he's under a one-year deal right 
Yes. He so just resigned after the draft when yeah. they did not they did not take any additional edge rushers in yeah. the draft. They brought him back. One year deal. One year deal. So that is an indicator, hey, look, this is your prove it year. So now he's got to prove it. So I think Zimenez is going to be the guy, and the reason he's going to be the guy is because everything's riding on how he comes out of this season. I'm not going to cheat and ask you any of the defensive over-unders that John no. has for later in the week. Mm-mm. But what I will ask you is this. Wick Martindale's defenses have never had a double-digit sack guy. It's they always, will, it's always they will been, this year. Well, that's what I want to ask you. It's always been team pressure, team pass rush, they will spread the wealth around. Who is the double-digit sack? Is, does, does Kayvon Thibodeau get double-digit sacks this I year? Think, I think Thibodeau gets probably 11 or 12 sacks this year. So he, he'll do it. Yeah, and I think the reason why, I think you saw, like how many sacks did he have last year? Seven? Uh, I think it was eight. Eight. So he had eight sacks. Right? He had eight, look. He had eight sacks basically after game six. Because the first four games, he was coming off that little knee injury he got in mm-hmm. preseason. And he was wearing a brace, and it inhibited him. And then he had two more games. Yeah, he had four. It seemed like he had more than that. He yeah. only had four. So he had four sacks. So it he, seemed like he had more. So so I'm if he's healthy from beginning to end, seventeen games. So I figured he I, I figured he was at half strength for almost eight of the games, mm-hmm. and that's the way I'm. Because I want to say Dexter Lawrence led the Giants in sacks, and he had seven and a half. Yeah. So I should have immediately clicked that Thibodeau yeah. did not have eight. So so my my theory is is that my theory is is that he, if he's healthy the entire season. And he has another guy on the opposite side that can actually bring a little pressure, whether it's Ojolari who's on pitch count. Or Isn't that else. the important thing, though, Howard? See, Ojolari had eight sacks as a rookie a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And when he was out there with Tibbs together, mm-hmm. they were a dynamic yeah. combination. Yeah, because you can't slide the protection. To exactly. Thibodeau. So if you. So how important is Ojolari to Thibodeau to get those double digits? He's really important, but here's what's going to happen. On t- it's going to be Thibodeau and probably, I don't know, Leo on the same side. So that's going to be the problem for for the offensive line. How do you stop those two guys? If it's Thibodeau and, and Dex on the same side, how do you stop those two guys? The opposite side has to have one or two guys that can bring pressure. If not, just slide people towards them and kind of load that side up and just go one-on-one on the other two guys. Now, in, in saying that Zimenez has to be the guy to step up. Is there any way that we could even predict realistically what the upside is on Fox and what Ellison Smith might be able to bring? Or is it simply that we haven't seen enough to really have any clue? Just look at whoever's playing safety and whoever's rolling down the box. That's going to be your other big sack guy because he's that's the way Wink's defense kind of runs. Well, I'm not suggesting that, that Smith or, or – um, uh, Fox are going to be a big sack. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm asking you is, can we even truly identify what they can become? We haven't seen yeah, enough of you, Smith. You can you can identify, but like if again, I know that it, it's a convoluted answer, but but the reason why you can't have a straight line answer because Thibodeau is going to be a great player. Yes, he has all the tools. When healthy, he's going to even be better, and he's going to get stronger and better every year, and he wants to be good. Mm-hmm. So you've got to have a guy on the opposite side with similar abilities and attitude. It's got to be a competitive guy. If Ojolari can stay healthy, which he can't because they draft him knowing that he's going to be on a pitch count, you need two guys to be Ojolari when Thibodeau is in the game. Right. So, And the other two guys are going to have to be, you know, 
Zimenez and Fox, Zimenez and Smith, Smith and Fox. It's got to be two of them together are going to have as much production as Thibodeau's having on the opposite side. And right now, that's a question mark because we haven't seen the resume prove it yet. Well, and again, don't, don't you know, for the fans that are listening, don't, think, don't look at it and go like, oh, yeah, you're right. There will be somebody who's going to shake loose in the next few weeks or the right around what we're in June. Somebody else shakes loose that has a you know comes from a double digit sacks in his history that will possibly show up on the Giants roster. Well, you know what's interesting about that, <laughs> and a lot of a lot of fans been hitting up on Twitter and so forth and so on. Leonard Floyd just signed with the Bills, mm-hmm. you know, and and that guy's certainly an accomplished pass rusher. He's a decent pass rusher. So in any event, yeah. Howard, that'll do it for today's show. As always, Paulie. Always always good to be with you. Now, folks, if you want to reach him, he's at HowardCross87 on Twitter. I'm at GiantsWFAN. That'll do it for today's edition. Uh, the program will be back tomorrow. We will not. We've got the day off of the show. Uh, jot down the number, 201-939-4513 if you choose to call. And, of course, you can always catch this program on the Giants Archive. It's part of your Giants podcast platforms everywhere and at Giants.com slash podcasts. For Howard, I'm Paul. We'll see you next time.